0: Welcome to Broadway Radio's Tell Me More. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Here on Tell Me More, we strive to talk about projects and topics that don't often get covered on theater podcasts. For this episode, I spoke with my friend, the hilarious and wildly talented Ellen Marie Marsh. A fixture on the Broadway cabaret and concert circuit, Ellen was a member of the cast of Kinky Boots from the very early workshops all the way through late last year when she left the show to start focusing on her new project, Pretty Woman, the musical. As an original ensemble member, she also understudied Lauren and Nicola and more. And if you haven't heard her history of wrong guys, you should look it up now. She's fantastic. However, unfortunately for Ellen, over the past six months to a year, she's gone through her own wrong guy ordeal in real life that puts anything that Cindy Lauper wrote for that song to shame. Last month, Ellen began to tell her story publicly in, of course, the most appropriate way possible, in her underwear performing with the Skivvies. Oh
1: so, recently
2: I broke up with my boyfriend. Oh my God. Oh my God. He cheated on me. Oh my God. I know, right? That's not even the worst of it. Okay. So, anyway,
1: his name is. Uh... No, 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 Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Uh, anyway, he was out of town doing a new Broadway show coming to Broadway called. No, 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 no. no, no. Yeah. Do that. Super cold. <laughs>
1: uh, oh. Anyway, he had an affair with
2: his dance captain, and her name was- No, 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 no. I mean, you're
1: right, this is
2: not, not the place. Not the place, you're right. Um, so anyway, uh, that's actually not where the story gets bad. So, um, he told me that he cheated on me in an email. Oh my God,
1: an email? <laughs>
2: It gets worse. Okay. So the day after, um, he was actually seen outside of my house. What? Across the street. Hiding behind a tree.
1: Oh my god.
2: Yeah, it gets worse. Okay. So then I went and I talked to him and he called the cops on me. What? He was and, talking you. Yeah. And then, so I'm like, you know, 110 pounds and he's like 200 pounds. I mean, now he's like 220 or like... No, well, you're very little. 30, is 30 or something. You're but anyway. So deal. now, he's taking me.
1: To court Oh my god what a
0: Even though Ellen is clearly having fun with the situation in that performance, for a long time it was disturbingly serious, especially when it started impacting her daughter. In our conversation, Ellen shares most of the harrowing details and discusses why and how she is turning the ordeal into a one-woman show slash cabaret at Joe's Pub on Monday, May 21st after she's back from the Chicago tryout of Pretty Woman. And while the particulars of Ellen's situation are quite extreme and quite unusual, she wants to tell her story to shine a light on the different types of emotional abuse that women in the theater community and not in the theater community go through on a regular basis that we never hear about. In our conversation, we also discuss Pretty Woman and how it's changed throughout her involvement, as well as the all-female Jesus Christ Superstar album that she recorded earlier this month with Morgan James, Shoshana Bean, and a host of other incredibly talented women. So, without further ado, here's Alan Marie Marsh. Ellen, you got some. You've got some stuff going on in your life right now, both personally and professionally. Um, I I think I, I you know a lot of people follow you on social media because you're hilarious on social media, and Aww. and I, I think the first hint that I ha- I got that something was going on, something tumultuous, and mm-hmm. we'll tiptoe around mm-hmm. things if we need to, was you put out this really hilarious. I think maybe uh, maybe you and Nick Adams collaborated on it where it was like the story of your summer via emojis. Do you remember? <gasps>
1: oh, you saw that?
2: Yes. Oh. Okay, you saw that. That actually was yeah. some of my finest work.
0: Yeah, it was really um, good. Like I, I followed a lot of it, but then it got a little murky until I saw your uh-huh. last appearance with the skivvies, which filled in a lot of... Uh, filled in oh, a lot yeah. of holes in the story, so yeah, I, I don't want to ask you to necessarily tell the whole story. I'll probably either drop mm-hmm. in some audio from the Skivvy's thing or, or whatever. But needless to say, you you've had a rough <laughs> go here in the last six to eight months, from a personal perspective.
2: Yeah, I mean, go big or go home. I, I guess I stand by that <laughs> in terms of in in every aspect of my life. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Nick Adams and I were up one night chatting and we were sending emoji. We were, it was the, it was the end of the year. It was my, it was actually my year in emojis. Oh,
0: okay. Gotcha. And
2: yeah, it was 2017 in emojis and we were sort of sending it back and forth to each other. And I said, I have to, I have to capture this because Nick is so funny and he just gets, yeah. we share a very, very similar sense of humor. So yeah, professionally it's been great <laughs> and um personally it was a little crazy. So I I was um yeah, I was in a relationship like we all are and uh what I said in the ski thing, he uh he went out of town and had an affair with someone in his show, which is like, yeah, you invented a new thing. You had an affair while you went out of town <laughs> You know. <laughs>
0: Get, yeah, that's can't never can't happened before. more basic before. than that. Yeah, never happened Never happened. happened
2: before. Before. You invent, you're a unicorn. You invented that. <laughs> um, and proceeded to lie about it and did every, you know, thing Ugh. that every man does. Yeah, I don't mean to yeah. categorize no, you. I'm no, sure no, some of you are
0: lovely. Fe- no, we're not. Um, feel free.
2: Yeah, and then, uh, you know, he made up uh, a bunch of lies about why we were breaking up and I kind of, you know, that, you know, that woman's intuition thing where you always feel like it's something. And it was that thing. It was, it was, he was having an affair with someone in his show and then, um,
0: and he told you about it via email, right?
2: Right. He confessed. He did finally confess after I basically said, here's all the proof. And he finally confessed in an email, uh, because that's kind and um classy so then uh to be classy and the yeah. next day after the email he was um hiding in my neighbor's bushes oh behind a tree
0: literally not figure. he bushes. wasn't like literal nope. bushes not figurative bushes because i guess that would hiding okay
2: and he's a big man yeah and he was literally hiding behind a tree and um my girlfriend came over and said hey so and so is uh outside hiding behind a tree and i said no yeah. that's not possible that's not possible and i kept saying that like, it's not him it's like and she said yeah he looks a little homeless and i was like it's a homeless man that's who it is <laughs> and and uh, no it was it was him it was him hiding behind a tree and um
0: to what to what end why why what was he doing uh, don't i
2: could say what i think he was doing okay. well
0: let's not do that
2: but i don't know Okay. And uh, I confronted him and said, what are you doing? And uh, we got into an argument and um, then he called the police (laughs) on me, (laughs) on me. And uh, the police came and I'm sitting and my girlfriend watched the whole thing and we're sitting there waiting and talking to the police and the police came to me and said, this is what he said happened. And we just all started laughing. I had, we're, I'm cracking up with the police because he said that I threw him to the ground. Meanwhile, he's two twenty. I mean, he's he's gained a substantial amount of weight, um, which is hilarious <laughs> no for me.
0: No shade at all.
2: <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, it's kind of like that yes. thing like your boyfriend cheats on you, you know, and you spend all this money on flights. You spend six hundred dollars on flights, but seeing your ex boyfriend gain all this weight, priceless, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so he said I threw him to the ground, and the I said. Am I going to jail? And the cops said to me, Ma'am, if we thought you did this, we would be arresting you. But so it was a whole thing. And um, then we proceeded to, he proceeded to press charges and I pressed charges for stalking. It was a whole mess. So then that happened. And um, I went on, tried to carry on with my life. I was actually in the middle of doing a workshop. And, um, I was you know, very distracted and very I was still very torn up about the breakup we had broken up, and it was very sad. And I sort of was battling with coming to terms with the sort of emotional abuse of what I had sort of gone through of the past couple months because it was a lot of gaslighting. and I don't know. I'm sure women, you know, men love to use you know the C word. you know, you're crazy you're making yeah. this all up, you're crazy, you're insecure, you're paranoid. And so then I sort of spun out on myself thinking I'm this crazy person and sort of dug myself into this emotional hole. And, you know, my therapist was like, this is textbook emotional abuse. And I don't really like to throw around that word because yeah. I'm a really strong woman and I don't want to throw around that term. I feel like it it takes away from someone who has been abused, but we always think of abuse as physical, but it was just all this subsequent emotional abuse and sort of torture in a way. Mm. And then that actually wasn't the end of the story. You know, there was the, the cheating and the lying. And then there was the, what happened was I think that he wanted to sort of change the narrative He didn't want to end up being the bad guy. I'm this bad guy who cheated on this woman with a child. And he didn't want to be that. So he said, let me change it around. And in the end, she's the crazy one. Look at her, you know.
0: Right. Yeah, because you're both in the Broadway community. Everyone talks. Everyone knows everything. He, people rightly knew that he, I'm not going to, you know, throw around insults, but knew what he did. And so he felt like he was being painted in a negative light, which he likely deserved. So you think he kind of wanted to, uh, you know, make himself look a little better by bringing you down rather than just admitting what he did and moving on and, and, you know, trying to be better afterwards. He
2: wanted, he wanted me to be arrested. I mean, that would have been a great story, you know, Broadway performer arrested. Like it was just, it was laughable, but really scary. Um, so then November 15th I'm in kinky boots and I'm in the show and, um, I was holding my phone and I saw a 201 number and 201 is a New Jersey area code where I live. And I thought it was my daughter's school. And I answered it and I said, hello. And this woman said to me, is this Ellen? And I said, yeah. And she said, we're at your house. Where are you? And I said, I'm sorry, who's this? <laughs> Why are you asking me where I am? And it was Child Protective Services.
0: Oh, oh, that's not good.
2: No. So I ran out of my show, truly ran out like Smash style, like Megan Hilty oh. running out into the street. <laughs> um, and I ran out and I found out that he had made a call to Child Protective Services while he was on vacation teaching in Rome. So he called from Italy, Ugh. with a laundry list of allegations of drug abuse, alcoholism, child abuse. Uh, so then I had to deal with that, and I had to um, holy shit. Yeah, he brought my ex-husband into it, who was completely blindsided and innocent, and he brought my child into it.
0: Yeah, like it's all well and good, and you know it's kind of a funny story. Up until mm-hmm. this point, like it's—I'm sure it was scary to live through. But I mean, like, it makes for a funny oh, yeah. story when you say, like, he went out of town, he cheated, he showed up in the bushes, yeah. we got into a fight, he called the police. Like that—that yeah. that can be laughed off. When you start bringing in a child into this, like that's like that's na- next level assholeishness.
2: Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's next level evil. Fair, um, yeah, and it's it's unlike anything I've ever experienced and it's unlike anything I would have ever expected from this person or really any person because we lived together and they had a relationship and she loved him very much. And I don't quite want to go into what happened to her, but she was sufficiently, um, jarred by the whole situation. And I had to tell my stage managers and I had to tell my cast members because I ran out of a Broadway show. I ran out of a Broadway show and I told my producer, who's a wonderful, wonderful, loving woman, that I was going through this and I had to be drug tested every week. They ransacked my home. They uh, interrogated me. They interrogated my ex-husband. They interrogated my daughter. They had to talk to my therapist. I mean, my it was it was the kind of the kind of ghosting, ghost like emotional abuse that is so, so sad. And and another level of sad is that this woman, my caseworker, who was lovely, who had to spend her time investigating me and investigating my daughter, was invest, you know, taking her time and her resources to speak to me when there is a child in like Newark, getting their bones snapped, you know, where, and, and taking time and money away from the people who these agencies are meant to protect.
1: Yeah, Uh,
2: And my daughter's school got involved. So it was Unlike anything I had ever experienced, and I found this quote that said, um, people who create their own storms get upset when it rains, (laughs) because he created this whole mess over something that he did that I had no participation in, and the way he decided, the the easiest way to get back at someone is through their child. Yeah. And that is truly despicable. And then I thought, so when this whole ordeal was happening, I actually kept hearing Meryl Streep in my head (laughs) saying when she said, take your, (laughs) she said, take your broken heart and make it art. Yeah. So I was talking to my family. My family flew out several times to be with me, to protect me, to protect my daughter. And I kept saying, what do I do now? There's, it can't, it can't, it can't get any worse. Um, I've had the cops called on me. My daughter's life has been disrupted. My family's life has been disrupted. My work, my work truly, truly suffered. Everyone at work noticed I was absent.
1: Yeah.
2: And I, and I said, what do I do now? And, um, the best, the best movies or books or TV shows or works of art have come from people who say they were at their lowest. So I said, let me just sit and write. Hmm. And I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote by hand and I wrote on my computer. And I, then I turned to my collaborators, Andrew Bradis and Drew Wetke, and I said, okay, let's do something with this. And it's funny because I tell this story and I, really, really want to make sure it doesn't come off like a jilted woman. Like I yeah, yeah. have gone through something. Cause I, everything I've gone through a million people have gone through it too. It's just the sum of it all is so crazy. You know, a million people have been cheated on a million people have had the cops called on them. Sadly, many, many people have gone through what they've gone through with child protective services. I don't know if anybody has gone through them altogether However, I think I have a voice, and I have a voice that comes through in a comedic way. And I also want to shed a light on emotional abuse and how that can really strip you of dignity and pride and self-esteem. Because I was truly, truly leveled by this person. But I'm sort of like a phoenix rising from the ashes, (laughs) <laughs> like I'm definitely not going to be the one, you know, crying in a corner. I'm going to laugh about it and sing some songs about it and maybe spin it in a, in a positive way.
0: How do you walk that line between like, cause the thing you did with the skivvies was very funny and it shed a lot of light on this. Obviously it didn't really go into this stuff with your, with your daughter, but I would imagine this show, which you told me before we started is not really a cabaret show. It's more of a one woman show. How do you walk that line of saying, I want to, I want to put this in a positive light. I want to shed some humor on this, but you do want to talk about some serious things, not only to you personally, but like you said, shed some light on the different ways that, emotional abuse can happen and we talk so much nowadays about physical abuse and sexual abuse. How do you blend those things when you're writing? How do you kind of find a way to pull all of those fairly disparate ideas into one cohesive show?
2: Right. That's a great question. Um, And that's a question I've sort of been um, been walking because it is a a really tight rope. And um, I was talking to a really funny friend of mine and I said, how do you make 9-11 funny? Because for years, nobody would touch a 9-11 joke. And if you did, you would be, you know, it was like a boo and a hiss. And by no means is it still funny, but in some way, everything at the right time could be made funny. But I think it's the way you say it. And the delicateness by which you say it. and also, if you, you know, if you laugh, the world laughs with you. And at some point, I had to say, "This is all crazy." And I had to realize that it was none of my doing, and it was all somebody else's doing. And I had to find, almost get so, so low that i had to laugh about it. And in my writing and some of the writing is is really it can get it can get very dark especially when it comes to a child. So in my show to be clear the ch- the child stuff there's nothing funny about it. Yeah. So it does take a little bit of a turn because there really is truly nothing funny about it. But when i look back and i talk about you know i talk about gaslighting and gaslighting is sort of like a manipulation tool where someone sort of like sows the seeds of doubt in your head as to who and what you are, Um, you know, kind of like doubting your own sanity. And that is, that can be funny. The, the police stuff can all be funny only because it was all so ridiculous. Um, (laughs) And the fact that I went to court more times to break up with my boyfriend than I did to divorce my husband,
1: is, that you is, you gotta funny. find some
2: comedy in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I, funny. it's funny that I went to go break up with my boyfriend who I had no legal ties to, and I went to court more times than I did to actually divorce my husband. But I think it's—I think it's a delicate balance, and I think I'm still working on it because the show is still a very much a work in progress. And I think I'm trying to balance again, coming off as that jilted woman and keeping everybody entertained. Because it's sort of like a hat on a hat on a hat, like, and then this happened. And then this happened and then this happened. And then when you get to the Lola stuff, it's like, oh whoa, Ellen, you went through some shit. I'm actually really sorry about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Lola's your Lola's your daughter.
2: Right. And I'm in no, you know, way, shape or form, you know, looking for sympathy, but I do I do feel like there's a responsibility to especially in the Broadway community it's a lot of sunshine and rainbows you know what we do is really joyous and joy filled and we bring so much joy and happiness to people but everyone on those stages isn't always dealing with happy things that's that's what's so interesting I actually had a, a conversation with Jerry Mitchell about it the other day you know people put their dog down and then come to work. People get divorced and they have to show up at work every day. People bury their parents or their sisters, or they get in car accidents or they lose their homes and people go through life and they go through hard, hard times. And the difference between theater and every other performance genre is they can say, you know what? I'm so sorry. Can I cut and take five minutes and go have a breather? (laughs) we have to show up at the theater and for two and a half hours, leave everything at the door, no matter what's happening and perform for those, you know, 1500 people every night. And then you can go home and cry on your pillow and being in kinky boots for as long as I did. Um, you know, I was in the show for almost six years. We saw everything. We saw everything I just listed. You know, we had someone tragically lose a former partner, um, you know, everything that you could see, I saw in those five years. And the hardest thing is to come to work. And, you know, that's why a lot of people in the Broadway community, they say like my Kinky Boots family or my Phantom of the Opera family, because the way we function as a family is truly lifting each other up when we can't go on. And the women at Kinky Boots, when I was going through this were so angelic and so, I'm getting teary-eyed thinking about it. There were days I, I truly couldn't get up off the floor. And they just ignored the fact that I was laying on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, truly, they did. My poor roommate, where Paltrowitz, just kind of, you know, was like, hey. <laughs> um, because it was really hard. And the hard thing about our job is you just have to get up and keep going. And everybody... You know, there's that quote, everybody is fighting a battle you know nothing about. And it's true. And I'm not going through the worst of times. There are people who are going through the worst of times. And we still have to do our job. And that's what makes our particular art so hard, is for that small percentage of time where you're going through something difficult, you just have to smile. And uh, in in Kinky Boots, where we say we raise you up, because um, yeah. that's our finale, and in my lowest times, I still had to raise that audience up every night. Wow. And that was really, really hard for me. But the great thing about the genre of cabaret and one woman show is people get to come and they're going to hand me a microphone and you guys are all trapped in there. You can't go anywhere. (laughs) I just get to live my therapy dreams and sing and make you laugh. And that's the beautiful thing that I get to do. I get to take this story and this crazy thing that happened to me and share with people in a really open and honest way, yeah. which will hopefully make people laugh, maybe move people, and also, again, shed a light on emotional abuse and make people realize oh, maybe I went through that. Yeah. Because truly, we had said before we started this conversation there's a part of you when you're going through this set that says other people have it so much worse. You know, there are some women and some men who are physically beaten, sexually abused, sexually assaulted. So feeling like, Oh, this person made me feel bad. You almost feel guilty feeling those feelings, but they're actually really real.
1: Yeah.
2: And everything that um, this person put my family through yeah, I'm going to kind of leave it all out on the stage. <laughs>
0: oh, God, I wish I was going to be in New York when you did this, Alan. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you talked about Kinky Boots and you talked about Jerry Mitchell. I want to get back to those things uh, here in a minute. But just on your on your show, it is going to be at Joe's Pub on May 21st. Um, so people have a little bit of time, but tickets are going quickly, so they need to get them uh, soon, I would I would assume. But in this show, I mean, like, I don't want to even ask necessarily about where you are in the stages of the, the legal side of things, but in terms of just from a personal standpoint, is this kind of, do you view it kind of as a, a, a cathartic moment of closure to kind of wrap this up and move on? Cause you've got so many fun things coming up, or is this part of the, an, a longer process, or is this going to kind of put a, close the book on that, I guess, kind of, how are you viewing this in the totality of the experience that you've been through in the past, you know, six, eight, 12 months?
2: Mm -hmm. Good question. It's for sure cathartic. It's for sure my lemonade. And I mean, I'm not going (laughs) to drop it like Beyonce. Are you going to
0: take any um, any baseball bats to car windows or anything like that?
2: (laughs) Yeah, no. No, nothing like that. That's so funny because our mutual friend, Patrick Hines, Mm -hmm. knows the story very well. By the way, I'm not giving away everything of the show right now. There are things that, you know, some some little tidbits that I'm keeping. But um, Patrick called me the other day and he said, I think this story is bigger than you think it is meaning not not the story in terms of newsworthy. I just think that the story that this show, this show might evolve into something else. Yes. So hmm. emotionally, it's very cathartic and it's fun to laugh and it's fun to tell people this story. And I have some, I have some dear, dear friends that truly know all the ins and outs of the story. The more glossed over version of the story it's been great to tell and to laugh and to not feel like I'm the only one that thinks this is crazy. When I tell the story, the reaction I get is generally once people sort of scoop their jaws up off the ground, (laughs) they are like, okay. And you know, so that part of it is actually really cathartic because it it just, you know, makes me feel better as like a, a person. But this project, um, we're still writing and working, so we're. it's very, very much, again, a work in progress. Um, we have a lot. We, we have the whole outline and the skeleton of the show um, and our special guests. We do have some special guests.
1: Oh. Um,
2: but in terms of this is for sure just a stepping stone for what this is. Joe's Pub is just, yes, this will okay. be a little bit more than just that. Yeah. And I'm not out to, like, you know, to Im- embarrass uh, that that's that's also i'm not out to embarrass or ruin somebody if someone wants to google and research who this person is it's completely (laughs) up to them however i'm very much of the school of making your bed and laying in it so i'm not you know no names will be used the legalities of it have all been sorted out with a lawyer which who knew adult life had to involve lawyers but apparently it does (laughs) um so yeah, so it's it's all being sorted out, and Patrick has sort of lit a fire under my my ass to kind of get this up and running in a bigger way. And I I think it's going to be pretty empowering. I think I don't I don't think I'm a unicorn. I don't think I'm special. I think a lot of women have gone through this, and a lot of women in this business um, have gone through this because there's a lot of men in this business who have done similar things and carried on, and the repercussions are slim it's just it's very very much infidelity is very much a part of the broadway community and it's not talked about because broadway is all sunshine and rainbows and it has to be but it's not because you know life life. takes over yeah Yeah, and people make bad decisions i've made a million bad decisions and i have to live with those bad decisions because i'm an adult
0: yeah okay so you said all art comes from personal stuff, and and so let's leave I'm So Sorry What, which is the name of your show. Let's leave that uh, on the side for now and talk about some of the other things that you do have going on, because just as exciting as that whole thing is, you've got some other pretty exciting things going on. As you said, you ended your six years in kinky boots from the workshops to Chicago uh, to Broadway, and now, as we're talking here in early to mid-February, you're getting ready to go back to Chicago with a new show um, as part of of Pretty Woman, the musical, and, you know, just a really kind of ho-hum, not exciting cast or anything like that. (laughs) Um, I mean, just nobody on the creative team. Yeah, no one on the creative team who's very exciting or talented or anything like that. But um, another show... everyone's ugly. Yes, exactly. Everyone's ugly people. Oh, man, Samantha Barks. We can get to her later. Um, Anyway, so (laughs) uh, this is just... It's one of those shows where we, you know, if you're in the community, you you kind of knew about the development of it. And then Gary Marshall passed away and people didn't know if this show was going to actually ever make it to the light of day. But clearly it is. You guys are going to Chicago. Then you're coming back to Broadway and kind of a weird move, like starting performances in July. Um, yeah. So what's what's this been like? How you were with Kinky Boots forever. Have you been with Pretty Woman since the beginning or when did you join up on this one?
2: So, I actually have been with it since the very, very first reading. We only had one act, and it was actually just me and Orfe are the only ones that are still mm. with it. Wow. We call ourselves the OG2. Um, <laughs> everyone else has, you know, it, it, as a show develops, you know, yeah. they've changed the ages or the cultures or, you know, they've restructured things. So, we were in it from the very beginning when we were just had one act, and I think the only song, there's only one. I don't want to speak out of turn. I think only one song remains from that version. And Gary Marshall was there and he was still with us and his whole family was there. And we read act one and Brian Adams was there and Jim balance. And um, that was almost two years ago. And we've done four subsequent readings and workshops, very secret. We weren't allowed to Instagram or do any you know tweet anything about it? We all signed NDAs. They wanted to keep it under wraps, and you know it's so. Fun. Paula Wagner is our is our producer. She's been she's
0: yeah
2: been lovely, and everything was kept very hush hush.
0: Yeah, big time Hollywood producer.
2: Yeah, she's lovely. She's knows she knows what she's doing. She mm-hmm. knows. It. I love having another female producer. Oh, yeah, this is after Daryl for so yeah. long, and they're just yeah. So we were we did that about two years ago, and. this is the thing about this workshop that this show coming, being able to see it from the very, very beginning is I've never been a part of something over the years. We do so many workshops and readings and labs. I've never been a part of something that took such tremendous leaps and bounds with every incarnation. Hmm. It was the second time. Oh, this is great. And the third time, whoa, they, and every time it got so, so much better. Sometimes you do oh, oh, something and you're like, oh, cool, they changed some stuff, but it's same, same, but different. It's kind of lateral, a lot of lateral moves. Yeah. And this was so not the case with the show. It was a tremendous, tremendous work and diligence went into each incarnation, and I've never seen that before. I've never seen something get so much better over time. Brian Adams is, I mean, Brett, he's a hit maker. I mean, he just poops hits. I mean, he just like the list of hits he's written over the years just does not stop. So he knows how to write a hook. And I told I said this to him one day and it sort of came out wrong. I said, you can't tell if this is a song you've heard before or it's a song on the radio or it could be on the radio because they're so good and they're so catchy to your ear that you think, oh, this must be a published song already. And there are about five songs in the show that you could pluck and put on the radio tomorrow. They're just beautiful. So I think with this show and you're right, it does come at such an odd time, the opening in July. I think that the show is going to, it's going to sneak up on people. And right. I think it's going to pleasantly surprise everyone because over the years there've been so many, I mean, some of my favorite Broadway shows are movie musicals, Le- legally blonde and hairspray are two of yeah. my favorites, you know, but I think people are just not going to expect it. And coming from Cindy, you know, from Cindy Lauper, who again, nobody expected her score to come from Cindy. I think what Brian has done, I just, I think people will just be really shocked. I think we might be underestimated a little bit, which might work in our favor because a lot of people who came to the lab said, Oh my gosh, I just, I didn't know what to expect. And it was so tremendous. So it's just been a joy and I haven't been in, I've, this is my third show with Jerry and I haven't been in the room creating a new show with him since kinky boots. And that was yeah. quite a long time ago. And he just, the man has the energy of like a 12 year old boy. Fool I, out. I feel guilty. <laughs> I came home today and took a nap. I'm like, he just bounces off the walls and just radiates energy. It's amazing. So, yeah.
0: um,
2: yeah, I think it's gonna be great.
0: Yeah. talking talking about Brian Adams and like writing hits. So if you had to like, I'm sure there's a a variety of different types of songs in the show, but would you put it more towards like rockin' Summer of 69 stuff or more like Don Juan DeMarco, Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman stuff? Yeah,
2: you know, there are the songs, there are a very, the songs are varied for sure, but. Definitely, his power rock ballads. There's a couple of them in the show. Okay. Are more. Have you ever really loved a woman? Style that just they're so and and Steve's voice just lends itself to his kind of music. Again, sounds like it could be on the radio tomorrow. So I think it's a little bit that Brian Adams just his hook. I just get so excited. I I we we did a run of Act Two today. And I got, I know the show like the back of my hand and I got weepy and teary eyed about three times. So they must have done something, right? And he's just the sweetest man. He's like so tiny and so mighty and so (laughs) sweet and generous. And oh, he's just, he's a little lamb chop. Love him.
0: So you talk about you getting, getting weepy and it made me think as you were kind of talking about the show to actually go back to your cabaret one woman show, we've heard a lot about as pretty woman's developed and you guys have been going through rehearsals and stuff. There's been talk about it kind of getting a new feminist twist. And I don't know how much you're allowed to, to say or whatever, but you talked about how it's developed and how it's grown. And especially now when we're in the me too era and all of that mm-hmm. um, stuff yeah. around sexual assault and, and, you know, misogyny, all that stuff, how cognizant was the whole team, both creative team and the actors, About that and was that something that was there from the beginning or has that been one of the things that evolved how much can we expect without i'm sure you're not allowed to go into a lot of details but what's the perspective on that type of stuff from the show since we've heard about it from a lot of other people who aren't really in the room as it's being you know worked on
2: right yeah no that's a great question i I think they're, they're very aware. And the thing that I find interesting is they're not aware and scared. They're aware. And they're saying, this is a vehicle where we can, hmm. we can talk about this. And this was, was it, 30, how long ago? Was it 30 years ago?
0: Oh, it's probably pretty close.
2: Again, we are in a, a completely different place. And I think that Gary would have been very excited for the way it's going. So, what's so difficult is you're taking an iconic movie. I mean, this is a movie with 10 lines that you could say, and everyone across the world would know it's pretty woman. You know, yeah. I think it's such an iconic movie that people know what they're coming into. But I think the power of the movie was sort of missed a little bit. I mean, you remember in the movie and I'm not giving anything away. He comes to her with this amazing, you know, package. He said, here's the keys to your new Lotus Esprit. Here's credit cards. Here's an apartment. And she doesn't say, cool, let's get married. She says, I need to figure this out. I'm going to go. I have potential. I want to go back to school. I want to do all these things. So it actually was a very empowering movie back then because she didn't just say, great, let let a man take care of me. And so I think they're just really honing in on that and align that that Jerry loves that he sort of rediscovered and pointed out to people was at the end when he says, so what happens? She tells this whole story about being Mm -hmm. stuck in a tower and a knight rescuing her. And at the end of the movie, he comes up the fire escape and says, so what happens after he rescues her? And she says she rescues him right back. Yeah. And that line is in the movie, and I think it's such a perfect line because they rescued each other. They needed; yeah. e- they were what they needed for each other the whole time, because her life wasn't perfect, and his life, though he was, you know, rich as anything, <laughs> wasn't perfect and was empty too. So I think they're just re—they're just rediscovering the actual female power that was already innately in the movie. Yeah. So. It's not that they're restructuring or, or rescripting tremendously. There are a couple of little little changes here and there, but they're just saying, "Look, she was powerful the whole time." Yeah. I think it's I think it's brilliant.
0: Well, and I think I've heard stories throughout the years that when they were filming the the script that Richard Gere and Julia Roberts were filming, and the perspective they thought the film had was much different than the way Gary ended up. Presenting it in the final product, like I think they didn't realize it was as much of a comedy as as it ended up being, and so it's interesting that the it kind of seems like the groundwork was already there and the bones Mm -hmm. of the story that you're talking about we you know we might be seeing on stage were there. It just took a different package, and and you know Gary you know focused on the the more humor of it, and that's really what kind of made it the classic that it is. But it sounds like you kind of are going back to the way it originally was, which I'm sure still has all of the humor and the fun and all the, the romance and stuff that we expect from pretty woman.
2: Right. And yeah, you're absolutely right. And it did end up funnier. It's so funny that you say that because uh, Jerry just said today, he said, remember, this is, this is a romantic story, not a romantic comedy. There's funny Hmm. things in it. And the funny mostly comes from side characters, Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, and a couple of her being adorable, but it's really (laughs) the story in the movie and in the musical. And what's brilliant about Samantha and Steve, they're they're so they have such intensity between them, which I think is so brilliant, because for me, when I when they were casting, I was like, how? Are they going to, quote, replicate Julia Roberts and Richard Gere? And of course, no one ever wants to replicate the film, but they're so iconic. Those characters, her in that beautiful red dress, going to the opera and all there's, you know, how are you going to get people on board with that story? The prostitute makes good story, you know, and they do because Samantha, let me tell you, she is the most she's. So endearing that julia roberts' quality that um, gary marshall's wife speaks about when he first met her at twenty one they she she started on the project when she was twenty one wow. years old Julia Roberts, and his wife just speaks of her and she lights up she just says shes she's magical she was magical, and that's the same with Samantha because the whole time you see it, you just want to give her a big hug <laughs> and they've somehow truly they 've somehow managed to do everything that they did in the movie and sing and rip your heart out at the same time and you're right it it did turn out i think a little funnier only because gary marshall almost like can't help himself because he's just so funny yeah
0: he was hilarious yeah
2: yeah and 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 the one-liners the the famous one-liners you know there's there's a million of them and um so yeah i think that i think it's it's such a tall order it's that you know making making this but there's just like no one that it could be in the hands of other than the the creative team that they have truly i can't imagine it being done by anyone else i mean
0: hmm.
2: i like I, I i said i just i think it's gonna surprise everyone
0: <laughs> i can't i can't wait to see it all right you're you're getting me more excited than i already was so okay real quick i know um <laughs> you you said you're one of the the on your track includes the woman in the store that won't sell her the, the dress in that yeah. famous scene, right? <laughs> I have to ask, is she going to have a mullet? Please tell me she's going to have a mullet.
2: <laughs> do you know what's so funny? I think I can tell you this, but no, she's not. She's very classy, uh, man. Whatever. Um, no, but there, I do have another scene where I'm a tourist. And I turn to oh, Jerry please. and I said, can I please have a mullet? Can I please have a mullet? So we're looking into it.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so good. It should be the same mullet.
2: I know. Just like snuck into different Broadway shows. No, the shop girls, uh, but Greg Barnes is doing the costumes. The costumes are absolutely, they're just to perfection. I uh, just had a fitting for my shop girl costume the other day. He's just, he's a magical wizard genius.
0: That's great. Okay. So So, yeah, we've got pretty woman. uh, We've talked about that and, um, So that's on the horizon. You're getting ready to go to Chicago for just a month, right? It's only like four or five weeks that you're going to be there before coming back, right?
2: We're there six weeks. Yeah, we're just in and out. Jerry goes there. We do the work. We come home. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you've got that, but. Just this week, we had to actually, I think, reschedule uh, this interview yep. once before because you ended up being in the studio for a long time, recording for the Shoshana Bean Morgan James all female Jesus Christ superstar um, album. After you yes. guys did it a year ago, and uh, where, where was that? It? Was that it, uh, La Poison Rouge? Was that where Highline? Highline. Was it the Highline? Okay, we did it
2: at the Highline. Yeah.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and then so now you guys have done the album. Um, I think they did a, a a crowdfunding thing. Has it been? funded already? Do you know where that stands? Can we plug that if it hasn't been?
2: Yeah, I think there there's still I think there's a pledge music link on Morgan James Instagram okay. um and like her Facebook and Twitter and it is all female, all female musicians, produced by females, it's female top to bottom and it is I actually wasn't even a Jesus Christ Superstar fan. Before, I knew a lot of the music, but yeah. hearing the music sung like this, and those two women and everybody in it, Eden Espinosa, Pearl Sun, there's a ton of just Mika Lawrence. There's so many powerful, powerful women singing on this, and it is electric. I think that I i remember when we did the concert, we, we were staged on the Highline Ballroom, and a couple times when both Morgan and Shoshana had, you know, some of their solos, I would find myself missing cues because I was just <laughs> aghast at they're watching amazing. them. i thinking, like, wh- I mean, I think they're robots. Actually, I don't actually think they're human <laughs> beings. So let's let's break that story. Helen yeah. um, <laughs> Marsh says Morgan James and Shoshana being a robot.
1: <laughs> um,
2: it is it's so tremendous. And Morgan had this idea, and she mentioned it to me years ago. And she is such a doer and a go-getter and just the loveliest and smartest hustler. And I just, I, I, I don't even know why she agreed to I just bamboozled her at some point to taking me on the ride. So, no, stop it. Um, yeah, we recorded that. We recorded that. She was in the studio all week with every with um, tons of people. Anne Harada. Anne Harada was there the other day. I actually didn't get to see her. So a lot of us recorded on different days. And it was just, tremendous and i don't know exactly when it drops because of jesus christ superstar live
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: but it will but you can check it all out on morgan james page she's yeah,
0: she's got everything. a
2: trailblazer and i'm just i'm such a fan of her
0: yeah i am too to her and shoshana both are just their other world i i have to go back and listen to shoshana's riff in Godspell that she did like uh, at now like 16 17 years ago I go yeah, listen I to exactly oh bless the lord to... <laughs> yes I have to go back and listen to it like at least every few months because it's just dumb I mean like it doesn't make any yeah. sense it's so amazing so um and then of I course think we
2: should start the rumor that they're robots I think that's yeah, a good rumor seriously and,
0: and yeah. Morgan Morgan in Godspell you know and 2012 or whenever it was too both of them coming back to the biblical stuff too so that's really good too so um all right so so i'll get you yeah i'm so excited but anyway okay so i'll get you out here and i was just thinking here though going back to the story about your ex who's went out of town did a broadway you know did a pre-broadway run coming to broadway if i'm getting my geography correct once you get there in July, your theaters aren't going to be too far away from each other. Are you going to? Oh, like, yeah, no. Are you guys going to, like, are you going to avoid things or are you going to, like, how <laughs> is. Some, like,
2: West Side Story shit yeah. going down? No. You know, the great thing about it's so funny because I can't really call it a breakup. I, I call it an event <laughs> because it was such an event. And the, <laughs> the great thing about the event is that it's it's done and over and everything now is seemingly over, but I don't know how else to say it. I don't, I come out on top, I guess. I don't know what, how to say it. I don't, you know, Yeah. there's a line from a Kesha song praying where she says, you brought the flames and you put me through hell. I've had to learn how to fight for myself and we both know all the truths I could tell. And it's
1: like you, you
2: tried to bring me down so many different ways and every single way you failed. So I, I can only walk, you know, if I bump into him walking down eighth Avenue, I get to just like hold my head high and be like, see you at Joe's pub, dude. (laughs) <laughs> Come watch the story that I'm about to tell because, you know, you have to be – my mom always said you have to be accountable for your actions and you have to be responsible for what you put out there. You yeah. know, if I were to say something on this podcast and, you know, and I regretted it, guess what? It's out there. If, I, if you say something to someone, if you put a picture, if you put a picture on Instagram you know, it's never gone. Someone screen capped that shit. Yeah. And the great thing about screen caps is screen caps don't lie,
1: <laughs> you know? So
2: I get to kind of walk with my held high and I have just a constant internal giggle that you tried to bring me down a million different ways and it just, none of it worked out for you the way you had planned. So yeah. I have a, a great job, tremendous friends. My family has been immeasurably supportive the jersey city police department they're all my buds now (laughs) i walk in and i'm like norman cheers they're like ellen so i mean who all can say that but you know the jersey city police department knows you by sight it's pretty sweet Um, absolutely so it's fine
0: well i think i think the kesha you mentioning kesha like and i don't know if that's maybe a hint as something that might be in there. But I think like just to catch a comparison to everything she's been through, through the years and then to come out with, uh, you know, I think it could be argued it didn't win the Grammy, but it could be argued that it was the best album of the year that has a lot of parallels here. And obviously your stories are quite different, but you know, like you said, coming out, looking even better, having been through the trial by fire that you both went through.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, hers was, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. It's still it's still somebody bigger or stronger or who thinks they're more powerful than you trying to suppress, bring you down, hurt you and make you feel less than. And somehow she made it through and I'm still making my way through, but my daughter is tremendous and she's so smart and she's so loving and her dad is a phenomenal dad and he had to go through things that he had no business going through at my hand. And he's been tremendously supportive and a much bigger person than I would have ever have been if the tables were turned. Um, Well, that's good. So it's, it's, it's all good things that will be, Coming out of a very, yeah. very, very dark situation.
0: Yeah. Well, I I can't tell you, you know, how big of a fan I am of yours, and both personally and professionally. Awesome. So I'm I, I'm so happy about all the stuff that you have coming up, and and I can't wait to not only yeah. see what happens with Pretty Woman. I can't wait to see it when I'm back in town in the fall. Uh, but I can't wait to see what just you know all the great things that you have coming for you. And I, I I'm so happy that you've come out of this with your head held high and and all the all the stronger and 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 better for it because it very easily i'm sure could have gone the other way.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate all of that. Thank you. And you and Broadway World is, have always been so supportive
0: of, of course. me and
2: my crazy endeavors and um, <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be great and I can't wait to see you in the fall and and uh,
0: I Yes, oh, I'm coming.
2: Okay, good. I hope so. I owe you like 12 boxes of schmackeries, I think, at this point.
0: Not at all. No. So. I... <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank I really you, appreciate sweetheart. it. Thank you for everything. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me More. My name is Matt Timonini. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMATT. You can also reach out to Broadway Radio on both Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find Ellen on Twitter and Instagram at Ellen Marsh. That's E-L-L-Y-N-M-A-R-S-H. We will have links to that as well as for her show at Shows Pub, Pretty Woman, and the Jesus Christ Superstar album in the show notes and on BroadwayRadio.com. Ellen also wanted me to make sure that I let everybody know just to be clear that everything has been resolved and she has been found to have been without fault in this situation, both by the New Jersey police and with Child Protective Services, so everything is hunky-dory. In fact, as this episode is being released, she is on her way to Chicago for the out-of-town tryout for Pretty Woman. Tell Me More is produced by me. Special thanks to Ellen Marie Marsh and the man without whom none of Broadway Radio is possible, James Marino. Thanks again for listening, and remember, step one, he's a bum. Always get that second scoop, and when you get the chance, ask people to tell you more. Hold on, let me wait for that. You sure they're not coming for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, they might be. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You can put that in the credits.